Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. It's my joy today to introduce to you my oldest son, Jesse Stewart, who is joining me in this ministry. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. Woo! It's Tuesday night. Night Nation. Man, so glad you guys are here. Man, the flannel game is strong tonight. Let me tell you. Man, it is very strong. Hey, so great to be with you guys. Uh, For those who don't know me, my name is Jesse. I'm the college pastor here. For those who do know me, still Jesse. Glad you're all here. Man, thank you all so much for spending your Tuesday night with us. I know that you could be a hundred different places doing a hundred different things, but you chose to be here tonight. And we want you to know that we're thankful for that. We're so glad that you're deciding to hang out with us. And I'm extremely excited to be here and to dive into God's word with you. And so if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open that up to 1 John 3. That's where we're going to be tonight in this series, Fully Known, Fully Loved. And what we've been doing in this series is just talking about some of the lies that the enemy causes us to believe that keep us from living the life that God's called us to be, which is fully known and fully loved. And so 1 John chapter 3, we'll be starting in verse 11 a little bit later. But before we dive into that, there's something that's going to be happening next week that I want to spend some time talking about. I mentioned it last week. It's called Revive Us. Yes. So all the people cheering are the people who went to revive us when we had it two years ago. And so this is a four-night event. It's going to start Sunday night at 6.30 and go all the way through Wednesday night. And this is just an opportunity for us as God's people to come and to experience renewal in our souls, to come with this desire to pursue Jesus, to know him, to value him as our greatest treasure, and to really just grow in our intimacy with him. As you'll see some pictures of some past years, this is something that It's just been a great part of this church, and it's been a great part of this ministry. And so next week, on Tuesday, we won't be having Ignite. Instead, I hope you guys will come and join us for Revive Us, but not just on Tuesday night, but on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But here's what we're specifically doing on Tuesday. Well, not specifically on Tuesday, but for us it will be, is celebrating death to life. And so one thing that we're going to do Tuesday and Wednesday, but for us in this room Tuesday night, is celebrate how God has changed our lives. And so what that means is if you're somebody who has taken the step to follow Jesus, but maybe you've never been baptized, or you realize that you were baptized as a kid, but you didn't really understand what the gospel was, what we would love to do is celebrate that next Tuesday night and to be able to just come together and worship God and praise him that we serve a king who still changes lives. So if that's you, if you fall in that category, then please come see me, come see Jenny, come see any of the community group leaders and let us know and we can spend some time talking with you this week. But man, I would love to see several of y'all, many of y'all in this room next week as we celebrate that our God is still amazing and he causes renewal still to happen in our lives. So next week, no Ignite, but we will have Revive Us, 6.30. So we hope to see you guys then. All right, well, I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna spend some time diving into God's word together. God, you are good. You are so good and we are so unworthy to even know that you exist, but you are a God who loves us, who cherishes us, and who pursued us, even though we don't deserve it. And so tonight, God, my prayer is as we come into this room, I know there's so many things that can be distracting us. School, family, work, other relationships that we have. So many things, God, can cause us to come here 
and not be focused on what what you want to teach us. And so my prayer and my hope, God, is that all distractions would leave this room, Lord, that we'd focus on your word and that every single one of us would walk out of this place with a deeper love for you and a deeper desire to look more like your son. And it's in his amazing name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So my junior year of high school, right around this time of year, I went on a winter retreat with the church. So leading up to this, I was really excited because several of my closest friends were also going to be on this retreat. And so I thought, man, how cool is it going to be for a weekend for me and some of my best friends to go to a remote place in the North Georgia mountains where we get to hang out all day. We get to stay up until late hours of the night. And then in between, we get to grow in our love for Jesus. I mean, that was exciting. I mean, if you've been to fall retreat, you understand just the excitement that comes with spending a weekend pursuing Jesus. And so leading up to this, you can imagine, I was hoping and planning for this to be an amazing weekend until something unexpected happened. See, one of my friends, he was going on this trip, thought it was a good idea to invite somebody that he knew from his school named Ben. Now, he wasn't really close with Ben, didn't know him very well, but thought that this guy would benefit from coming on this retreat with us. So Ben joined us. And as we were in this remote place in the North Georgia Mountains, potentially having a good time together, I noticed something very quickly about Ben. See, Ben was like those apps that you have on your phone that you really wish that you could delete, but you can't. Because, (laughs) you guys got to give me a second here. Let me explain myself. You guys, I see the judging faces. I see it. (laughs) And here's why. Because Ben was that guy that no matter what I did, he was always around. And here's what's also what you need to know about Ben, is that he didn't understand the concept of personal space. So he was always like, oh, up on me. And this is what Ben used to do. When he would stand next to me, he used to put his hand on my shoulder like we had taken a family portrait. I mean, he he did it so many times. It drove me crazy. In fact, what I would do to try to get him to stop is I used to start counting out loud how many times he had done it. 27, 68, right? Like I would just count out loud, trying to make him feel bad so that he would stop because I don't like to brag, but I'm like really good at being passive aggressive. And so I tried to do this, but it didn't work. Ben just kept touching me. And so that was even the worst thing that he did. Because one of the worship nights, we had this session. And so so the band was playing this really popular song at the time called Marvelous Light. And it was one of these times, like, as, like, somebody who's in the room, like, I'm really getting into it. You know, like, my eyes are closed. My hands are tucked. I'm, like, swaying to the heartbeat of the Lord. Right? Like, I'm just into the moment. I'm just there. And so they get to a part of the song that says, lift up your hands and spin around. And as they start singing this, and I'm in the middle of worshiping, all of a sudden, I feel these two hands grab my shoulder. And they start to try to turn me into like a circle, like trying to get me to spin with the song. And I'm thinking like, what is happening? Who is so immature and so childish that they're interrupting me in the midst of this moment? And when I opened my eyes, there was good old Ben. He had found a way to touch me once again. 
And really that moment was just like a metaphor of that entire weekend where I was going, wanting to have a good time, wanting to really enjoy this opportunity with my friends. And I felt like Ben was like trying to take it away from me. As you can imagine, it was so hard for me to be around Ben. And no surprise that I found myself just constantly frustrated with him or annoyed at him for all the stuff that he was doing. And clearly, Ben wanted to be my friend. He wanted to be around me on that retreat. But honestly, I could care less about being around him. And I did not want to be Ben's friend. Instead, what I wanted to do is I wanted to distance myself away from him so that I actually could be around people that I actually wanted to be around. And look, I know this story makes me look horrible. I understand how bad I look in this story. But here's what I also know. Every single one of you in the room can relate to it. Because we all know what it's like to be around somebody that we don't want to be around. Which is why this is what we're going to spend time talking about tonight. How to be a good friend to people who we don't want to be friends with. Because I believe this passage that we're looking at, is this is where it's going to hit home the most for many of us, if not all of us in this room. Because we all get it, and we all get But you have to remember, John doesn't just write 1 John. He also wrote the Gospel of John. And clearly, I have no doubt in my mind, when John is writing this, he is thinking about a moment that he records in John 15, a moment where Jesus is talking to his disciples. And we'll look at some of those verses later on. But what you're going to notice is that John, in this passage, uses family language. He uses the word brother a lot. But when Jesus talks about the same thing, he uses friend's language. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to go through that perspective of talking about friendships. And because John is talking about the relationship that, with us and other believers, that's the category of friendship that I'm going to talk about. But honestly, most if not everything that we talk about tonight can be applied to all friendships, not just Christian ones. And so what I want us to do is look at these verses and see how we can be a good friend to the people that's really hard for us to be. And how we can make much of God with our lives through that. That sound good? Okay. There's one person in the front row is with us. Okay. Just kidding. Okay. Let's begin reading in 1 John chapter 3, beginning with verse 11, and see what God's holy word can teach us today. This is what John says in 1 John 3.11. He says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. So if you remember from last week, John is in the midst of talking about the proof or the evidence that we belong to Jesus. And so he spent a lot of verses talking about how if we are followers of Jesus, that we don't need to make a practice of sinning in our lives. And so now John switches and says, as those who follow Jesus, we also need to love other people with our lives. Which is a very clear reference to something that Jesus says in John 15. The day that Jesus was arrested, when he spent some time hanging out with his disciples, this is the words that he says to them. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And so again, no doubt as John is sitting here writing to this church, 
he is thinking about what Jesus said to him on that night. And the reason that he's repeating the words of his Savior is because he wants to help create this unity. He wants to help create this brotherly and sisterly love among this church. He wants the affections of these friends to grow with one another, to continue to increase so they can live the life that God has called them to live. That's why John reminds them, this is the message you've been taught, that you need to love one another. But what's interesting is John, as he continues to talk about this idea of loving one another, he first talks about what this doesn't look like before he tells us what it does. Because look at verse 12. Look what he says to us. He says, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. So he starts off, he says, okay, this is what you shouldn't do, right? You should love one another, but you shouldn't be like Cain. And by doing this, he references a story in scripture, a story from Genesis chapter four. About it with a guy named Cain and his brother Abel. We see that this is the first homicide that takes place in all the Bible. When Cain chooses to murder his younger brother. What's interesting is that the word murder here actually means to cut his throat. That's pretty graphic, right? But what that does is it shows us the kind of resentment that Cain must have had towards his brother Abel. How he must have really felt towards him in order to kill him in such a brutal and horrifying way. In order to take his life, even though it's his own flesh and blood. And John actually tells us here why Cain does this, why he has this resentment towards his brother. It says, because Abel's deeds were righteous and Cain's weren't. That's why he killed him. That's why he took his life. Because Cain was comparing himself to his brother. And here's why this is important for us tonight. Because when we find ourselves doing what Cain does, when we find ourselves comparing ourselves to one another, that is when so often resentment comes in our lives towards our friends. Just think about it, right? When we compare ourselves to how somebody is acting, maybe like Ben on that retreat, they act differently than we do. They don't do what we would do in that situation. So what do we think? Man, I'm never as annoying as that person is. Or maybe we compare ourselves to something that they've done. And we think, man, I would never treat them the way that they've treated me. Or like Cain, maybe we compare ourselves to them and see that they're doing something better than us that causes us to think I will never, never have what they do or I'll never be who they are. And when those questions come and those thoughts enter our minds, whether it's with friends or potential friends, that is when the negative emotions come. That's when we find ourselves feeling the same type of resentment that Cain does in this story. And so what that means is in that moment, instead of becoming a good friend, we find ourselves being frustrated with them or annoyed at them because they said something to hurt us or because their personality doesn't, just, doesn't quite click with ours or they have what we want. And so when we find ourselves feeling this way, when we find ourselves having these emotions, what do we do? Well, like Cain, we slit their throats. Just kidding. 
Totally kidding on that one. <laughs> you guys did not expect that. That was like, you know, are we hanging out with Jesse later? Um, what do we do, though? We don't cut the throats, right? But we do push them away. Whether physically or emotionally or maybe even both. We stop hanging out with them. We leave the text on red. We don't find ourselves going out of our way to see them. Instead, at school or maybe even at night, we avoid being around them. Because honestly, as horrible as it sounds, the reality is we don't want to be their friend. So we aren't. We avoid them. We distance ourselves from them because we don't want to be around them. And there's a lie in the midst of this that we find ourselves believing. And this is a good one because this lie, this idea about friendship, and we don't even question it. We don't even think twice about it. Most of the time, it doesn't even come up in our mind as something that isn't true, but it's a lie, I believe, from the enemy because this is the mindset that so often we have when it comes to our friendships. I'll be close with you if it's convenient for me. And I'll be close with you if it's convenient for me. Man, the people that we click with, the people that we get together with and we enjoy, man, that's easy friendship. But the ones that we struggle to connect with, the ones that we struggle to get along with, man, that's a totally different story. And that's exactly what happened in my relationship with Ben. The friendship that he was trying to create with me at that retreat. Man, Ben annoyed me. Ben frustrated me. Ben just kept touching me, right? I didn't like that. So what did I do? I pushed him away. I didn't want to be friends with him because I didn't like the guy. And the whole time I did this, I never thought about how this made Ben feel. All I thought about is how Ben made me feel. And so I found myself saying, you know what? I don't want to be around him. And what I didn't realize at the time was how much of a selfish friend I was being. Because all I was thinking about is what made me happy, what was easy for me, what made my life better, and not at all thinking about how Ben was feeling or why he was doing this or anything else that was related to him. So I didn't want Ben to be close to me because it wasn't convenient, because it wasn't easy, because it was hard. You see, even though we so often have this mindset about friendships and even though we don't really think that it's that big of a deal to treat people the way that we do, the reality is it is a big deal. And we know that because of what John says next. Look what he says in the following verses. Look at verse 13. He says, Do not be surprised, brothers, that the, if the, world, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So the first thing John says is that don't be surprised that the world hates you, which was a callback to something that he says in chapter two. But then he says, but as for you, don't hate your brother the way that Cain did. Because if we hate the people in our spiritual life, in our spiritual family, then we're no different than Cain is in this story. And the word hate actually means to strongly dislike or to detest, which is how I felt towards Ben on that retreat 
and how I'm sure some of you in this room feel towards that person that you just keep thinking about. You see, in, in Cain's story, his hatred was pretty explicit, right? Like he goes and kills his brother. Like it's pretty easy to see how he's feeling in that moment. But for so often, our hatred isn't very explicit. It's much more hidden. But if we allow the emotions, to con- the emotions to continue to go unchecked in our lives, we will find ourselves doing stuff and allowing it to come out in other ways. So for us, it doesn't look like us killing somebody, but it could look like us putting our friend on blast on social media. We're finding a way to always talk bad about them whenever somebody mentions their name. Or when we are around them, we just constantly belittle them in front of everybody else. Those are the ways that we find ourselves living out these emotions inside of us. Because the reasons we do all of those things is because we just really dislike that person. Or in John's words, we hate them. And so that's how we manifest our emotions towards them. But man, even though we do this, and even though, oh, that was weird. Um, even though we do this, and even though we often don't even think much about it, John tells us that, man, as, as, as believers in Jesus, this isn't a part of our DNA. This isn't how we should act towards others. In fact, he says if we hate other followers of Jesus, I don't know what is going on with this mic. This is like weird. I have like childlike ears, so things just kind of fall off of them. Um, but what John is saying here, though, is he's telling us that like what and, and man, this is, this is like straight up with how John is bringing it. He's like, man, if we hate other believers, then that might mean that eternal life isn't abiding in us. And I get it. It's so easy to look at this and go, man, John's just being a little extra here, right? He's just being a little intense, kind of being a little bit extreme. But before we find ourselves just thinking that John is being extreme, we have to realize that John is emphasizing This for a reason. John is emphasizing the importance of loving one another for a reason. So even though we might downplay this in our lives, especially when it's hard to like other people, John doesn't. Because John says that how we love other believers, how we love other followers of Jesus is proof that we belong to Jesus. And if we have a friendship with Jesus, that what we do to other people should reflect the kind of friend we've been to him. That's how we should treat other people, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when it's inconvenient. And so after John has spent all this time telling us what love isn't, finally in verse 16, he tells us what love is. He shows us how we ought to love other people. Because look at what verse 16 says. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed, or as some translations say, action and in truth. So John finally pivots here. He finally makes a move. After spending so much time talking about how we don't need to hate one another, he finally goes back to how we ought to love one another. And by doing that, he gives us some examples. 
He says, if we see fellow believers in need, we shouldn't just close off our heart towards them. Instead, what John says is we we should meet them where they are. We should be a good friend to them by giving them what they need financially or materialistically or whatever else that will cause them to live the life that they need to live. Because he ends this by saying we don't just need to love by our words. We also need to love by our actions, by our deeds. Which goes on to what John also says in verse 16. Another way that we can love other people, and that's by laying down our lives for them. I love the contrast that John is making here because if you think about it, he spent so much time saying, don't be like Cain. Because what does Cain do? Cain takes someone's life. But instead, you choose to lay down your own life. That's the contrast that he's making there. And he says, we need to choose to lay down our lives just like Jesus chose to lay down his life for us which is another clear reference to John 15. In fact, this is the foundational verse that so much of what we've talked about is connected to. Because right after John, Jesus tells the disciples that they need to love one another the way that he has loved them. This is what it says in verse 13. The verse, it should be on your screen. It says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. John says, as he has laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for other people. And Jesus said, there is no greater love that you can, how you can love somebody. There is no way that you can be a better friend than laying down your life for someone else. And so what Jesus and John both show us here is so important. I mean, this is huge for everything that we're talking about tonight. Because what they show us is that in the Christian life, love is more action than emotion. In the Christian life, love is more action than emotion. It's more about what you do for others than how you feel towards others. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, we are called to have positive emotions towards people. Like, we don't need to go around, like, hating the world, right? Like, we need to have positive emotions towards people. But it is unrealistic. It is impossible to think that you're going to love every other believer the same way that you love your mom or the same way that you love your sibling or the same way that you love your bae, right? None of that is realistic to think about. None of that. But what we can do is that we can show love to everyone, regardless of how we personally feel towards them. And we do that by putting others above ourselves. Choosing to be kind to them, even when it's hard. Choosing not to talk bad about them behind their back, even when it's easy. And choosing to be close with them, to be their friend, even though everything inside of us wants to distance ourselves from them. That is the way we're called to love others. That's how we love others with our actions. And when it comes to following Jesus, that is how we reflect him. That is how we live our lives because the greatest example of somebody loving with their actions, loving by what they do, is when Jesus chose to go to the cross for us. 
when he chose to think about his friends above himself. And even though we should be, have gone there, even though we should have experienced the punishment for our sin, Jesus cho- chooses to go instead to lay down his life, to physically die so that all of us, his friends, could eternally live. So that we could experience the freedom and the grace and the goodness of God so that we could be fully known and fully loved by him. Jesus showed us the greatest possible way to love by laying down his life to save us. And what John is saying here is that's your example. That's how you are called to live as a Christian, as a Christ follower, as somebody who's now a friend of God. That is the type of friend that you need to be to other people. That is how you are called to live your life in the midst of everybody around you. And look, I understand that Jesus laid down his life by dying. And God may call you to do that. He might. But most likely, you laying down your life for others is probably going to look different, isn't it? This is what it's probably going to look like for you. It's going to look like laying down that sleep that you want. When your friend calls you at 2 o'clock in the morning and they're having an anxiety attack, because they have a test in the morning and they just need somebody to talk to. It's probably gonna look like you laying down that resentment that you have in that heart towards that person who you know has been talking bad about you behind your back when they ask you to grab coffee. And it's also gonna look like laying down that desire you have to distance yourself from that person because you just find them so annoying because you understand the reason that they're so clingy is because they're so lonely and they just want someone to be around. And so just as Jesus was a sacrificial friend by laying down his life for us, every single day we can be a sacrificial friend to other people by laying down parts of our lives for them, by choosing to put them above us, by choosing to love them with our actions and not just with our words. That is what God is calling us to do, to be a friend to other people the way Jesus has been a friend to us, to allow them to be, to allow them to have a relationship with us where they are fully known, knowing that we are still fully love them. That's what he's calling us to do. And so tonight, let's stop believing the lie of the enemy that we'll only be friends with people if it's convenient for us, instead, let us choose to be like Jesus. Let's choose to listen to the words of John. Let's choose to love others with our actions. Because what the example of Jesus shows us and what this passage here helps us to see is that true friendship is defined by inconvenience. Man, there is nothing convenient about dying on the cross. There is nothing convenient about laying down your life for somebody else. But John says, this is how we ought to love one another. That we don't need to focus on what, just what we want, but instead we need to be a good friend and focus on what they need above what we want. And yes, this is gonna be hard. Yes, this is gonna be tiresome. Yes, you will find yourself doing this and it's not gonna be easy, but it is holy and it is righteous and it is good because it's what our savior chose to do for us. He chose to love us even when it wasn't easy.
And he went to a cross to love us with his actions. And that's what he's calling us to do. That's how you can be a true friend is by being inconvenienced, but still loving somebody, even if you don't get something out of it. By focusing on what you can give them instead of only focusing on what you can get from it. So Ben, you guys can come on up because here's my challenge for you tonight. My challenge for you tonight is to be a sacrificial friend this week. Find a way this week to be inconvenienced for somebody else. Find a way to love somebody with your actions, even when it's hard. That's my challenge for you, is to be like Jesus. To not only focus on what you can get out of a relationship, but instead focus on what you can give to the relationship as you show somebody else what it looks like to love and to be a good friend. That is how you are a good friend to the people that you struggle to be friends with, is that you choose to be inconvenienced. You choose to sacrifice what you want so they can have what they need. And that's what God is calling you to do. So don't be like me. Don't treat people the way that I treated Ben on that retreat. Because here's what's crazy. Ben and I actually became really close friends. The guy was in my wedding. That's how close of friends we became. But here's what I regret. I regret how I treated him that weekend. I regret being so focused on what I wanted or so focused on what made me happy that, man, I missed it. I missed what Ben needed, which was a group of guys to love on him and to say, man, you don't have to earn our approval. You don't have to earn our acceptance. Man, we love you for who you are, the way that Jesus loved us, despite who we are. That's what Ben needed. But I, I didn't do it. And I didn't do it. So don't be like me. Don't listen to the subtle voice of the enemy that constantly tells you to be a selfish friend. To only do what is good for you and not, not thinking about others. Instead, choose to be like Jesus. Choose to be a sacrificial friend because true friendship is defined by inconvenience. Let's pray. God, man, thank you for just these words from John, this, these importance of loving others with our actions. And so my prayer, God, is that first of all, you just forgive us of all the times that we haven't done this well. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we treated people harshly or wrongly or distanced ourselves from them because it wasn't convenient for us. And my prayer, God, is that you'd help us this week to be a sacrificial friend to lay down our lives, to lay down what we want for the sake of other people, the way that you laid down your life for us. So tonight, God, there's people in this room who just want to have somebody pray over them or maybe just want to confess a time in their life where they did this, Lord. I just ask that they would go to the back and, and just speak with the people back there who are wanting to pray with them. But my prayer, God, is as we sing this last song that we would just thank you for being the type of friend who loves us even in the midst of our mess, even in the midst of our time when we walk away, even when it's hard for us to be loved, you still choose and want to love us. And so may we worship you for that and may we follow Jesus, you in that example. And we ask all this in the great name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Let's stand and sing.